from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. July 3rd, 2019. On what for uh, for me has been a very slow news day. Uh, it's been a struggle this time to find anything even worth talking about. Uh, like nothing locally has happened. It's pretty status quo up here, uh, at least news uh, newsworthiness. Uh, they're still working on the construction over on the west side of campus and, you know, uh, all reports say the parking deck will be ready for the football season, which is the uh, the main goal, uh, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, in national news, bigger things, bigger things. Apple has uh, started to roll out a software that will help increase intimacy on um, face-to-face chats on your phone. Uh, I'll explain that. That sounds a little weird right now. Uh, And then a bunch of news on millennials and money. Two things that really don't make sense together. But uh, it looks like that generation, of which I myself might be technically a part, um, is having a reality check now that they are in their 30s. So we'll get there in a minute. But Apple... uh, They've made the news here recently of rolling out a new type of software i call it the i autocorrect so when when you do a uh, facetime or a face to face whatever you want to call it facetime's the the proper term uh you're looking at the screen but the camera that looks at you isn't on the screen it's above the screen so the massive massive issue that uh, is being resolved is the fact that when you're looking at the screen, you are not making eye contact with the other person because you're not looking into the camera. Apparently, this is a massive deal, big enough to spend a lot of money on developing the software. Uh, it's only going to be, currently, it's only going to be on the super expensive iPhone XS and the XS Max. Lots of <laughs> sounds. Uh, very nice. Uh, so it's only going to be on those super expensive $1,000 phones for now. Uh, so, you know, not really anything to worry about. But it's possible that they'll move this down the food chain uh, when, it, when they find out it really works. If it, you know, if it really works. But that's for iOS 13. This is from Gizmodo uh, here before we head out to the first break. Uh, it's all about iAutoCorrect. Keeping eye contact when you're doing a FaceTime. It says FaceTime attention correction is what this is going to be called. It corrects your gaze to make it look like you're staring into the camera, even though you're not. The feature is reportedly only available on iPhone XS and iPhone XS Max. 
if you have the beta operating system installed on your phone. So a bunch of ifs. Uh, so probably not applicable to anybody. Uh, and it's unclear whether this is a feature Apple plans to roll out uh, more broadly down the line. They, you know, they're still they're still figuring it out. Obviously, this is on the beta, so it's like a beta on a beta. So nobody's going to use it, and uh, we'll see what they decide to do with it. This article from Gizmodo says video chatting is certainly more intimate than other text-based forms of communication. True. Or you could just leave text-based forms of communication to, say, the phone and leave eye-to-eye contact things for when you're, say, eye-to-eye. Just, I mean, just a thought. You can leave the phone in its own space and have personal contact uh, in another special space, you know, like real life and when you see somebody. What this app is trying to do is try to legitimize the idea that all you need in um, a friendship with somebody is contact through a phone. Trying to make FaceTime chatting more intimate means you're just trying to make that the norm. That's just what I think. I don't even use this FaceTime thing. Because uh, who wants to look at my face? I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I don't know how many... I think it's actually... It's quite... I, I know I'm different than everybody i don't use facetime i don't think it's um a great idea i also just hate talking on the phone that's one of my that's one of my things i i really don't enjoy talking on the phone and i uh it frustrates me i don't know why it just does so like i'll send people a quick text i'm notorious for sending small text messages yes no Okay, single words if needed. Uh, Nothing elaborate. And clearly I can be elaborate. I mean, I'm capable of talking for three hours of content on the radio. So, you know, it's not like an I can't formulate words. It's just I choose not to. When it comes to uh, when it comes to messaging on a phone. And that's that's for one reason for that is because I don't want it to become the way people know me by. You know, I I don't want someone who lives in Alabama to say, yeah, I know him. He's a, you know, we have a good relationship when all we do is text each other. You know, I don't want that to be a... I want people to say they know me if they actually see me in person. Same with social media, too. I I only use it just to have a way to connect to somebody if I don't have their phone number. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And then then for my career, I'll have to develop it and use it as intended. But since it's by choice right now, you know, it's not a requirement for my life, I'm I'm not going to do it. And social media isn't a a, uh, requirement for life. You can do just fine without it. And you have less advertisements related to your uh, searches on the internet. 
But uh, one way to make relationships through the cell phone easier, uh, Apple is rolling out, they're uh, not really rolling out, they're testing out the FaceTime attention correction software. I call it iAutoCorrect. Basically, the, the camera is not where you're looking on the screen when you're doing a FaceTime. So you're not making, like, quote-unquote eye contact because you're not looking into the camera. It's like you're looking at the person's nose when... If you, you understand what I'm saying. Gizmodo. Clever website name. It says, uh, Video chatting is certainly more intimate than other text-based related forms of uh, communication, which is true. But the design oftentimes has you looking into the screen rather than the camera. That's how you can see the person on the other end. This feature effectively, uh, the, the feature by Apple FaceTime attention correction, effectively allows you to continue to do that while also making it appear to the person you're talking to that you're looking at them in the eye. If it works as intended and doesn't lead to some wonky eye contact, it's pretty useful uh, for those who want to appear peak invested without having to stay to uh, stare into the tiny little camera lens. Now, I lo- that's the final sentence of this article, and I think Gizmodo just nails, nails it. It's a useful feature for those who want to appear peak invested, for people who want to look like they're interested, for people who want to look like they're there. Isn't that great? So what that's saying is, is you can be looking at your phone, uh, you know, at something else and just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, just the kind of the, uh, let the person talk and you can just kind of be like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. And the camera makes it look like you're looking straight into the camera lens with this eye autocorrect. So the person at the other end thinks, wow, this person is absolutely devoted to what I'm saying. They're not. Swiping on other apps and buying things on Amazon while I'm talking and watching a YouTube video. No, they're staring right at the camera to let me know they're peak invested, as this article says. I like that. Doesn't that sound useful? See, there's always a real reason behind things being made like this. And I think that's just a joke. FaceTime attention correction. Uh, You can use it if you have the beta operating system iOS 13 on iPhone XS and iPhone XS Max. And uh, given that Apple is finally making this software, chances are there's been an Android app out for this for years. So, moving on with some more millennial-related news. Uh, There is an exodus that is being expected here to continue over the next coming years. I uh, I headlined this myself, even though it's not my article. I wrote at the top, get ready for your neighborhood to be ruined. This is from Ann Schmidt from Fox Business. It says millennials are headed to the burbs. Just like generations before them, millennials between the ages of 23 and 38. Hey, that means I'm not a millennial. Excellent. They are leaving cities and are moving to the suburbs to find hashtag affordable housing, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. 
After the financial crisis, I'm assuming that'd be 2008, growth in the city surpassed that of the suburbs. But over the last uh, five years, that growth has slowed in part because of rising costs of city living and because millennials are getting married and starting families. See, the people who annoy uh, this country the most, the millennials, are finally getting to the age where they have to A, uh, have a budget and spend their money and save their money. And then all of a sudden there's another person in their life. You know, they're married. And then all of a sudden you got one, two, or three other people that aren't dogs. We're talking about kids and not baby goats. Real kids. Money. Millennials are learning what money is. It's beautiful. More of this when we come back. I'm Loopy. May the exodus begin. The millennials are moving to the burbs. They out. I don't know, does Boone qualify as a as a suburb? I think it's just a small town. Does that mean there are no millennials here? Uh, so according to Wall Street Journal... Millennials are leaving cities because uh, reality has finally hit them. And, uh, you know, money. Money and families and cost of living in cities. After after uh, 2008, this is from Fox Business, growth in the city surpassed that of suburbs. But over the last five years, that growth has slowed in part because of rising cost of living and because millennials are getting married and starting families. So I guess they got off the they got off Twitter and Reddit and finally decided to you know to grow up a little bit. But unlike their parents and grandparents, millennials are being more selective in where they're going. Primarily in the south and southwest with good weather and jobs nearby. So okay, so I guess uh I guess Charlotte might be a uh, a target, or I guess the Charlotte suburbs. Last time I checked, the Charlotte suburbs are pretty expensive. Uh, the suburbs where millennials are moving, such as Apex, North Carolina, this article says, near Raleigh, are growing so fast they can hardly keep up. Schools are over capacity and, and uh, commutes are slowed by traffic jams. No, duh. The struggle to buy homes is expected to continue to become more costly and competitive over the next decade, according to Zillow. Nearly 45 million Americans will enter their mid-30s over the next 10 years, including basically all the students here at App State, or 3.1 million more than uh, in the last decade. A potential surge in would-be buyers could drive up demand, pushing prices higher, particularly in more affordable in the more affordable end of the market so the uh lower priced also known as more affordable uh even lower end homes will become more expensive is what that means the trend could also mean higher costs for renters which is typically what you are uh any time before you buy uh your own home 
Skylar Olson, Zillow's director of economic research, said uh, if this coming wave of buyers have to complete have to compete fiercely for homes to uh, purchase, that could drive up rent prices as well as home values. Sounds good, redundant. Thank you, article. Uh, many millennials have had to put off buying a home as they grapple with student loans and rising rents, which make it harder to save up for a down payment. First-time buyers uh, now typically need another 1.5 years to save for a down payment than they did 30 years ago, according to Zillow. I don't know. I feel like the, the habits of this uh, hashtag struggling generation, the millennials, uh, I feel like there are more money habits that are hurting them than uh, rising rents. Obviously, student loans is a, is a big deal. And that, that always brings me back to my argument that college is an investment. And there are good investments and there are bad investments. And for many, many people, these days, college is a bad investment. It is too expensive. It takes too much time. College costs more now. And people are staying in college longer than ever before. So that's like a double whammy of money. And it's not just inflation that makes college cost more. It just costs more. It just does. And there's so many colleges and there's so many people getting degrees. How special are you if you go to college? That's not very special. Back in like 1850, if you were like, oh, it's a college, people would be like, wow, that's crazy. These days, it's like, I went to college. Okay, yeah, what else can you do? Why am I going to give you this job? Saying you went to college isn't enough. Like, for real. App State here is one of many colleges in North Carolina. We are the cheapest state school in North Carolina, which means we're probably the cheapest college in North Carolina. At about 14 grand a year. For a lot of people, even that is a decent amount of money. You know, and you and you stay in college for four or in many cases now five years, four and a half, extremely common. You know, you're talking Fifty, sixty thousand dollars spent, and that's not counting, you know, cost of living, and the fact that you weren't making money. Probably, you were only spending money. A college, college can be a good investment. College can be a bad investment. For me, my degree that I'm going to get from App State probably isn't going to mean anything. For the career I want to get into. It's not going to mean anything. But the experience I have here. And the people that I've met here. And the fact that I can show that I can have a talk show. That's going to help my career. Not my broadcast journalism classes. Not my intro to communications class. You know if I, if I want to apply to a. 
iHeart Radio station. They're going to say, why are, Why should we hire you? And I say, I took intro to communication at App State. They're not going to, you know, it's not impressive. To invest well in college, you need to go to a college that's affordable for you. You need to go to college and actually go to college and remember it, i.e. don't do stupid stuff just because you're away from your family now. You know, actually spend your time learning what's important, not necessarily just what is on the test. Learn what you need to learn more of. Everybody's different in that case. Making college a good investment is the most important thing you can do. Because if college for you is a bad investment, then you're going to be one of the many Americans with student loan debt and a career path that will never pay it off. It's not uncommon anymore. It's normal. And the millennials are finally figuring this out as they move to the burbs. We'll be back. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So the millennials are moving. They're running away. After running away from the realities of life, they now have to run away from their fairy land that they have created. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have like a millennial riot. They're going to set my building on fire. My southern accent came out there. Wow. Uh, nearly 45 million Americans will enter their mid-30s over the next 10 years. This is according to Fox Business. That's over 3 million more than last decade. That potential surge in would-be buyers could drive up demand, pushing prices higher, particularly in the more affordable end of the market. And this trend could also mean higher costs for renters. Basically, more demand equals higher price. Basic economics. Uh, Director of Economic Research uh, for Zillow, Skyler Olson, said if if this coming wave of buyers have to compete fiercely for homes to purchase, that could drive up rent prices as well as home values. Many millennials have had to put off buying a home as they grapple with student loans and rising rents in cities which makes it harder to save up for a down payment. First-time buyers now typically need another 18 months to save for a down payment than uh, they did 30 years ago. However, millennials are expected to have a tougher time finding homes they can afford unless home construction increases and more baby boomers trade in their homes for smaller dwellings in retirement. And yeah, I read another article uh, today, this morning, saying that construction over the past few years is way down of what it probably should be. I mean, if you live in Charlotte like my family does, you won't believe that that's true. You'll believe construction is the only profession that exists. But uh, I guess in other parts of the country, not as many things are being built as there should be for the rising population. Olson said a large set of them, uh, millennials, a large set of millennials are going to find 
at almost impossible. So they're going to linger in the rental market for longer. They're going to continue to put pressure on the rental market too. So rents are going to cost more. Homes are going to cost more. Looks like uh, millennials are going to have to stop spending all their money on alcohol and trips and $1,000 cell phones and uh, $40 Uber rides to a restaurant. Looks like that might need to change. And they'll have to stop buying luxury uh, handbags. And uh, if they have a car, they won't have to buy the super expensive car. They'll have to actually look at their money. It's it's unbelievable, you know. Uh, speaking of uh, buying a house, though, there is a trend. There is a this is a real thing. I know uh, you're gonna be like, of course, yeah, I've heard of it before. But seriously, it's a real thing, and uh, now it's becoming even more mainstream. Tiny houses, tiny homes. People and Yahoo Entertainment uh, put this one out. It says, for prospective homeowners looking for something on the smaller side. Smaller side equals smaller money, millennials. Perhaps it's time to ditch your realtor and head straight for Amazon. Now, we're not talking about the rainforest. We're talking about the online shopping place. That's right, homes and Amazon. The online retailer has houses for sale that can be yours for less than $20,000. And that's uh, given that you don't mind a tiny footprint and a whole lot of manual labor. The uh, Lily V... I don't even... L-I-L-L-E-V-I-L-L-A. Lily Villa? Maybe that's the American way to say that. All wood cabin kit getaway sells for $18,800. Oh, and by the way, free shipping. It's more than 35 bucks, so $18,800 free shipping. It is a 292 square foot home. Features a downstairs with three rooms. I wonder what they define a room as and an upstairs lofted sleeping area that's not included in the square footage. So that's like a bonus, you know. The suggested building time is two or three days for two adults working together. That's the cutest thing, cutest dang thing I've ever heard. Two to three days for two adults working together. Now, what I would love to do, this would be a fairly cheap TV show if you could pull it off, get, like, competition for people to build these things and live in it for, like, a year. Uh, the company recommends using it as either a summer home or a home office or perhaps a standalone retail building and adding extra insulation in colder weather, also known as adding insulation. Uh, it's not exactly move-in ready, this article says. Uh, if buyers want working plumbing, yeah, like a like a toilet or a shower or even a kitchen sink, they'll have to buy and install it themselves. So your twenty grand, uh, eighteen thousand eight hundred, excuse me, free shipping, uh, doesn't get you a few necessities for the uh, the modern American dwelling, uh, and insulation doesn't come with that either. 
It looks awful cute, though. The popularity of tiny homes. Uh, pretty big, actually. Uh, it's not totally unheard of, and it's actually quite possible that a lot of people are going to be buying these things. The popularity of tiny homes has only been amplified by HGTV. Something to remember. Just because it makes good television does not mean... It makes a good living. Or makes living good. TV is not real life. No matter how real it may seem. I feel like I'm talking to preschoolers. Would you live in a tiny... What is this? 292 square foot home? Like, is that even, like, a thing? And what's funny is that uh, this whole movement for tiny homes really did come from the millennial generation. They're kind of the ones with the interest in it. It makes good television to watch these people try to live in and build tiny homes just because it's entertaining because it's dumb. But, uh, you know, the, the whole craze came from the millennials. Uh and as we just talked about earlier, the millennials are now li- moving out of cities into the suburbs because they're, you know, having families, which means extra people and probably pets and stuff. Um, so the people that are increasing in size, you know, families, the families are getting bigger for these people, the millennials. Uh, they have this fascination and craze for tiny homes. It really doesn't uh, make any sense really doesn't work but would you just one person just think one person would you live in a tiny home would you uh would you buy one on amazon for eighteen thousand eight hundred dollars with free shipping apparently uh, you can build it yourself it says this uh specific eighteen thousand eight hundred dollar mini home uh can be built uh for two adults working together in about two or three days. So I would love to see, you know, cause it's, it's marketing to the people who've done very little manual labor in their entire life, that whole generation basically. So, uh, I would love to see a TV show. It makes good television. I'd love to see a TV show of groups of millennials having to do manual labor and build a house that they have to live in. The 18,800 might seem okay when you first look at it, but uh, and then you dive into some details here. Uh, basically, no insulation. So you better live in, like, Ecuador. Even then, that'll get hot. Uh, no toilet, no shower, no kitchen sink, no plumbing whatsoever. So, you know, you got to work on that. But this is this is a popular thing. Uh, if you don't believe me, or if you just don't know some specifics, uh, this article from uh, People and Yahoo Entertainment says popularity of tiny homes, which require buyers to shed many of their uh, material belongings in exchange for more minimalistic lifestyle, has been on the rise. And these are uh, some shows on HGTV uh, that cover tiny houses, also known as uh, the the uh, show Tiny House. The show Big Living, Tiny House Builders, Tiny Luxury, and Tiny Paradise. 
What, do those all qualify as cute shows? Everything's about something tiny. So does that make them all cute? Uh, despite the appeal, tiny homes do come with some hiccups. Who would have thought? Thank you, Yahoo Entertainment, for uh, letting us know about this. They come with some hiccups. Many local zoning laws have minimum lot size requirements. So uh, the cost of making one of these houses isn't necessarily $20,000. you got to buy the land, too. And since there are minimum lot sizes, you might have to pay a lot more for that lot than you originally thought you'd have to. You know, reality. That's from the uh, National Association of Home Builders. They say, you know, you got to buy land. Who would have thunk it? Who, you know, who would have thought? Tiny homes. You know, when I read that and I look at the picture, which obviously I cannot show you uh, because you are blind, because you are listening to radio. You cannot see things, or at least what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, it basically looks like a shed. It's not a tiny house. It's just a shed. So uh, $18,800 doesn't even really come with any insulation. Why not just go to, like, Home Depot, buy a pre-built shed, windows, place to put an air conditioning unit. You know, a good AC unit in the window is all you need for a shed. You can get a heater for the winter, just stick it in there. You know, that's basically the same as this twenty grand mini home, and you don't have to build it. Chances are they'll move it to where you need it if you're in town. And, uh... Yeah, same size, probably half the cost. Just saying. Like, I I won't, you know, I'd rather tell someone I live in a shed than I live in a mini home. I don't know, that's just me. So speaking of which, if you are to move out of the city into the suburbs with your family of two dogs, you know, spouse and three kids, and you're going to make a tiny house, uh, what are the best and worst run cities in the country uh, to move into? Well, a new report came out on Monday. It says if you want to live in a city with good leadership and good use of resources, doesn't that sound nice and hipster? A new report suggests you should move to Idaho. Napa, Idaho is the best run city in the country, according to Wallet Hub. A Wallet Hub report uh, on the best and worst-run cities in the country released on Monday. Provo, Utah took second place, and Boise, Idaho in third. Napa and Boise are only about 20 miles apart. So if all of the hipsters hear me, and believe me, which I know all hipsters do, um, get ready for an influx of hipsters to the potato-raising area. The worst-run city, according to Wallet Hub, big shocker here, Washington, D.C., or not a big shocker, uh, followed by Gulfport, Mississippi, which I've never heard of until now. There's probably a reason for that. And San Francisco, California. Those are the, thir- the three worst-run cities in the country. Wallet Hub used 37 metrics within six categories, including financial stability, education, health, safety, economic uh, infrastructure, and pollution in order to rank 150 of the top uh, most populated cities in the country. 
Other than the best and worst run cities, WallethHub found that the six cities that tied for the lowest quality of roads are all in California. I would have thought it would they'd all be in South Carolina. But no, all in California. That's it. For the paradise that I've heard California is, that comes to a bit of a shock. And here's another one. The five, five of the six cities that tied for the most air pollution are in California. I thought that was supposed to be some, like, super liberal paradise of clean air and nice place to be because of all the tax and all the money. But, uh, yeah, no. Bad roads, bad air. California, who would have thunk? I'm loopy. I'm loopy. So apparently the, the worst polluted cities and the worst cities with the uh, worst roads in cities in the country are all in California. According to a new report that came out yesterday, that seems so backwards from everything that I've heard, uh, either people going to California or from what Californians want you to think. You know, from all from all I hear, California is a place where people live where they're like super environmental conscious and people conscious, health friendly, air friendly, you know, tax everything that pollutes. Uh, So therefore we should tax ourselves and cows. That brings us on to the uh, the last part here of this article before I head out uh, for the 4th of July. Best run cities. In the country, these are so. If you are wanting to move somewhere where the city itself uh, is run well, and uh, I'll go over the categories here again. The big news: this is going to make you want to move for sure. Uh, let's see what did this use? Financial stability, education, health, safety, economy, and infrastructure and pollution, along with like thirty other metrics. Best run city in the country is Napa, Idaho. Nampa, Idaho. That's the best run city in the country. So, people of Nampa, get ready for it. Number two, Provo, Utah. Three, Boise, Idaho. Only 20 miles from Nampa. So, you can, like, move to the little strip of area 20 miles between both the cities, and you're being run brilliantly. Uh, number four, Durham, North Carolina. Hey, okay, move to Durham. They have a double uh, A baseball team. Billings, Montana, number seven. I know I skipped a few. Number nine uh, is in Montana, and number ten is in North Dakota. So of the top ten, we have cities in Idaho, Utah, Idaho, Montana, Montana, and North Dakota. Well. Worst run cities in the country. If you were to move to governmental hell at number 10 for 10 worst run cities, Cleveland, Ohio. Amen. Then there's Hartford, Connecticut. 
That's the capital of Connecticut. Flint, Michigan. You have never heard of them. Oakland, California. Detroit, Michigan. Big shocker. New York City. Is that fifth worst? Fourth worst? Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've only heard good things about Chattanooga. This report, though, doesn't think so. Uh, Third worst, San Francisco, California. Second worst, Gulfport, Mississippi. And the worst city, the worst uh, political climate city, Washington, D.C. Who would have thunk? All right, well, uh, on that note for of uh, places with bad politics, have a happy 4th of July. Eat plenty of hot dogs. Eat plenty of burgers. I just got myself two tickets to the Charlotte Knights game that sold out like a month ago. There you go, the day before the uh, event actually happens. I'll be back at a later time. I've got no idea when. I'm Loopy.